Graham, I don't hate Tom Brady. Do you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate Tom Brady. <laughs> got a big dream board with like it's just broken got Tom Brady's head on it and arrows in it. Yeah. yeah. Because you're such a huge Bills fan, when was the last time you were this excited about a Buffalo Bills signal caller? I would say never. Never felt this optimistic at all. The future of the franchise is locked in. And let's talk Bills. Welcome everyone to the podcast where we talk about Buffalo Bills, uh, German, American football, and everything in between. I'm your host, Eric, joined by my other host, co-host, Graham. What's up, Graham? Hey, man. I like that. Introducing the pod, letting people know what we're all about. Primarily the Bills, a little bit of German football. Uh, I think secondarily, maybe a Baltimore Ravens hate cast. We do a lot of that on here. Um, you, but yeah, you hate the Ravens summary. but love their coach, which is weird. I do. Yeah, I wish that the Bills could steal John Harbaugh and put him on their coaching. Um, Ooh, that's interesting. So if if the Bills were to add. Uh, John Harbaugh to their coaching staff. What position would you want him to coach? Boy, I it's hard to say because I think the Bills have a great coaching staff right now. I agree, and I think I want to give Ken Dorsey a shot. Um, uh, so you would be thinking offense for him, though, because I believe really he got his start as a special teams coordinator. All right, fine. Put him, make him be the special teams coordinator. I'm fine with that. Make him be. Let him. <laughs> He's banished <laughs> to special teams. Special teams. Yeah. All right, sounds good. Yeah, sure. That's unusual. I didn't know that, but that's probably unusual. I bet you don't see a lot of special teams coordinators becoming head coaches. Yeah, I think it's sort of a, a sideways path to the top, but worked out for him. In so any great. case, we got to talk a little bit of Bill's preseason training camp Um, but before we get to that I've got sort of an interesting stat and I want to play a little game with you Um, everybody knows the Bills right now are favored to win the Super Bowl right you keep hearing this you read this you go to Vegas and you're going to bet on the Super Bowl winner you're going to see the Bills right at the top of the list it gets me worried it's a little concerning I will say that but I was wondering how much of a sure thing is this right like how likely are they actually to win the Super Bowl just because Vegas says that they're likely to. Because, mm. of course, Vegas isn't perfect, but they know what they're doing. So my question for you, and we'll just go back to the year 2000, since we've been really like paying attention to football. You, I'm sure you got a pretty good sense of Super Bowl winners over that period of time. How many preseason favorites to win the Super Bowl do you think have actually won the Super Bowl? Ooh. So this is since 2000? So that's yeah. 21 Super Bowl winners? In the last 21 Super Bowl winners, how many of them were the Vegas preseason favorite to win it? Uh, How much faith do you have in the odds makers? Not much TBH. So I would say, I would say just, uh, yeah, I would say just over 50%. I'll go with 12. The answer is three. What? Yeah, oh only God. three. Oh, I yep. don't like that. I don't. Like I'll that. give you the teams too. So the first one since 2000 is the 2006 Colts team that beat, I think, the Bears. Right? They did. Uh, then you get 
the 2016 Patriots, and then the 2018 Patriots. Those are the only three teams since the year 2000 to be favored in the preseason to win the Super Bowl and then to actually go do it. Yeah, I expected it to be a little bit more than that, too. I 50%, I think, would be given odds makers uh, really the benefit of the doubt there, but but three is terrible. Yeah. Damn. So it lets you know what a what a real, you know, crapshoot it can be. Obviously, there's a lot of parody and the team that's expected to win isn't likely to win. Now, I'll flip well, this around on lazy you. too, right? Because people, they just look at who won last year and everybody sees that team through rose colored glasses, right? So they're just like, oh, yeah, this team could easily repeat. Like, remember when the Seahawks were on their way to building a dynasty after their first Super Bowl win? Sure. Yeah, that's so, true. Uh, and, yeah. and I think you could probably do that a lot with the Patriots. Like if you scroll through these lists, you can go on pro football reference and you can look at the entire league and what the odds were pr- prior to the season starting for that team to win the Super Bowl. And it's yeah. a lot of Patriots because obviously the Patriots have been dominant over this period of time. But how about this for just before we get into some Bills stuff? Let me flip this around. Same period of time. Which Super Bowl winners do you think had the longest odds in the mm. preseason? Uh, I would say, I would say the Seahawks would be up there. The team that beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl. The Seahawks are not in my top three. I've got the top three for you here, and okay. I picked only teams that were outside the top 10. So Seahawks must have been within the top, the top 10 that okay. season. Yeah. Oh man, I'm trying to think now. Okay, so it's not the Seahawks. I would say then it's... Definitely the Patriots back in like one of the early 2000 Patriots teams. Yeah, the 2001 Patriots team that was Brady's first Super Bowl when we were all actually pulling for the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. They were the 25th ranked team according to the preseason wow. betting odds. Okay. Yeah, they were 60 to 1 odds to win the <laughs> Super Bowl that year. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. So yeah, they're number gosh. one. Um, I've got a couple more here, too, if you want to try to take a swing at them. I'll say the Eagles as well. Good call there on the Eagles. Yeah, they're the number two nice. um, underdog, and they were six, 15th, it looks like. Okay. No, so 16th. Patri- 16th, yep. Patriots, Eagles. Um, are the Chiefs in there, maybe? The Chiefs are not. Nope, okay. they're not one of the longer odds. Well, yeah, I guess uh, that was the year after Patrick Mahomes had already burst onto the scene, so I guess people were pretty high on them. Huh, I don't know. What, what's the last the one? The other one is the, the 07 Giants, that crazy upset of the oh, yeah. uh, the Patriots. Yep, the Weren't David they like Tyree catch. Seven going into the playoffs? That's right, yeah. They were 30-1 to one odds <laughs> yeah. to win. Okay. Um, so just to give you a sense, you know, it's 30-1 to one odds or 60-1 to one odds, that would be like this year you picking 30 to 1 odds is like picking the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl. They're they're 30 to 1 right now. That Eagles team 40 to 1 odds, that's like you picking the Saints this year to win the Super Bowl. They're 40 to 1. Wow. And then if you were to pick the Patriots in 2001, that would be like right now you betting on the Washington Commanders to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's how that's how long the odds were yeah, at that I time. Think- the commanders are are probably more in play for the first overall pick than they are for a Super Bowl berth. Let's just be honest. I want to roll back the clock one more year because we did limit it to the year 2000. Sure. But in the 99 season, the Rams won the Super Bowl. 
their odds were 150 to 1 to win the Super Bowl that year. Oh. That is yeah, like that you betting for the greatest show on turf. Uh, yeah. Really established, right? And that's like you betting on the Seattle Seahawks to win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> that's what their odds were. Uh, yep. So interesting. Vegas doesn't know it all, but they've got, you know, a pretty good uh, odds of picking the at least the team that goes into the Super Bowl. I, I wish I'd put that list together. Like how likely is the team to make it to the Super Bowl? But mm-hmm. it's no sure thing. So well, that's the thing, right? Like that just kind of goes to show that so much happens between, yeah, all the stuff, all the all the praise and and optimism of the off season till the very end of the season, and it just worries me because the expectations are so high this year. The Bills have been a very healthy team in recent years, and all it takes is like one thing to happen to really throw this off the rails so which is something we'll talk a lot about today because in preseason game two my main concern again let's keep everybody healthy and it seems like that's going to be a little bit of a scarier situation uh than last week um but before we talk about that game maybe we should get into this colts game from last weekend what'd you think let's do it graham uh what a mess really i mean at the beginning of this game what did they have like it was just back and forth turnovers it felt like uh, the whole first half of the game. Um, Case Keenum did not look great, and he was my pick for MVP, so that did not end up going very well for me. Um, but neither did your offensive pick, really, although I think you still win by default, right? So James Cook. That's true. Yeah. Didn't James have Cook. As bad of a showing as Case Keenum. No, yeah. James Cook, not a, not a good game. Um, he did have a kick return. And he had three rushes for five yards, not a and one catch, I think, for five yards too. So not a big game for James Cook, but you picked Case Keenum, and Case Keenum had a horrendous game. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, I think we have to kind of by default give me points there for picking the offensive MVP. Um, but you said you know kind of a disaster. I would agree with you that offensively. This was a disaster for the Bills' second sure. stringers. And yeah, offensively, I should have definitely in most respects. But defensively, a, a really exciting game for the Bills. If you care about that sort of thing, Matt Ryan and the Colts' starting offense, other than Jonathan Taylor, played twenty snaps and did nothing against the Bills' second string defense. So I think a lot of credit is due there. They didn't have Trey White. They even sat Dane Jackson. So your starting two corners were Kair Elam and Christian Benford. And there were no other starters playing on the defensive line, in the secondary, anywhere. And the only three points they gave up to the starting offense was just because Matt Ryan was, or Case Keenum was giving the ball away at every opportunity and handed it to the Colts in the red zone. But um, then they held him from getting a touchdown too. So I, I thought it was a great game for the defense and made the defense look really good, which I was encouraged by because you see reports in camp about like, man, the corners are struggling. The offense is torching the defense. And so now we kind of know, okay, maybe that's just because the bills have a great offense. So the defense struggles in training camp against these guys. Cause they're just so talented. Yeah. It's weird because I guess the prevailing belief is that at this stage in the game of the off season, defense is usually ahead of the offense in game situations. Whereas like during practice, everybody's talking about how good offensive players look and things like that. And it's probably just because of the hitting aspects, right? Like 
once the games go live, I don't know that necessarily offensive players are ready for the speed of the game, the hitting and everything like that. They're probably just not yet into the groove. Whereas the defensive players, you got to imagine have been just chomping at the bit to finally go. And so, yeah, that usually shows out in the preseason game action. Um, yeah, certainly early on, Bill's offense looked shaky. And then we got Matt Barkley in there. And although he did not throw a touchdown himself, he led several scoring drives to uh, lead the Bills over the Colts in this fir- first preseason game. And Graham, we were honking about the uh, Ravens streak last week, which has been extended, I believe, now to 21 games. Yeah, that's right. Row. But the Bills are on their own little streak here. The Bills now are at nine games in a row in the preseason, apparently. I did not realize. I had no idea. Yeah, This is number the number two streak, actually, I think they said on the broadcast. So it's the Ravens at 21 (laughs) and the Bills at nine, which is pretty insane to consider that that, that gap between one and two. Um, But I'm pulling for the Bills to, you know, keep it going as long as everybody's healthy and you're you know, not taking the preseason too seriously. Let's keep winning these games. It was a very exciting game as far it as was. preseason games yeah. go. You know, we opened up down. I think the Bills were down 16 at halftime and and it was or just after halftime. And you just start to look at it and you're like, all right, well, you know, we're just really here to evaluate some of these young guys. So who cares if the score is 30 to nothing? But then the Bills come back. Matt Barkley engineers some fun uh, fourth quarter comeback action. And then Got to see a lot of other cool things, too. The punt god shows up and oh blasts God. an 82-yard punt yeah. from the Bills' own 18. He got an opportunity to crank it, and he really showed up and did it. It's a 62-yard net yard punt that rolled out the back of the end zone for 82 yards. So what did you think of that? Did you think this position battle is done? That's oh, it? Yeah. That's all this, we need this, to see? I, well, I don't know, Like because I'm going to... I'm about to talk about other players and be like, it's just one preseason game. Maybe we shouldn't jump to conclusions and everything. But I think Joe Buscaglia of The Athletic put it best when he said that he actually listed um, Matt Hack as a faller. The only reason being because, you know, Matt Ariza was so freaking good. And, and Matt Hack doesn't really need to make any major blunders or anything like that to possibly lose this job just because Matt Arise is doing everything he needs to do, including holding quite well. And and that blast was certainly evidence of that, right? So pretty, uh, pretty cool. The question to me, though, is then why the Bills wouldn't have cut Matt Hack after this weekend, right? Because he's still on this yeah. team and the Bills had to get under 85 players by Tuesday. So I thought, you know, if this is all they need to see, then that get rid of Matt Hack, let him give him the opportunity to go find another team. After first cuts, he'll, I'm sure another roster would want to have him, an experienced punter, but they've still got him. So that means there's more work to be done there. It's not set in stone. They're not ready to hand over punting duty for 100% of the time to uh, Matt Ariza. And, you know, we're all very excited about this long, giant punt, but I as a non-football player and observer of the game, wonder how long it's going to take for teams to just be like, okay, this guy can punt it really far, so let's just stand 15 yards further back than what we normally do, you know? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you've got punt returners that just have 10 to 15 yards of more space. Yeah, Yeah, so I don't know that the 
the distance really matters that much. If you're in a situation where you could put it out the back of the end zone and just constantly create touchbacks from your own 18 yard line, then great. But I think he's going to need to work on maybe getting some hang time because if you're just firing it down the field and giving punt returners an extra 15 yards to get ahead of steam going, that's not going to help your special teams unit. So uh, I was well, excited that's... to see the leg, but I think there's yeah. work to be done there. Well, to go back to your original thing, I I wonder if the Bills are holding on to Matt Hack, maybe thinking they can get a trade for him, like a late round pick for their punter. I have no idea. Um, but I don't think they're going to be fooling anybody because it does seem like Ariza um, is well on his way to locking this job up. But yeah, you're absolutely right with the um, hang time stuff because I think that was the criticism for Ariza coming into the league and even during the off-season program, they did the hashtag Puntapalooza whenever they were covering the Bills' uh, punting competition, and they had pretty in-depth details. Uh, the Bills' beat writers had pretty in-depth details about uh, hang time and um, net yards and things like that, and Matt Hack consistently uh, performed better than Ariza in terms of hang time, so... That's certainly something that he's going to have to work on, Matt Ariza. But yeah, I think the Bills did not draft him to cut him or keep him on the practice squad or anything like that this season. He's he's going to get playing time. Some other standouts on offense. Um, Khalil Shakir looked great. Oh, and yeah. Isaiah Hodgins looked great. It was awesome to see those two get a lot of time in the receiving game. Uh, Hodgins goes for 77 yards on nine receptions, Khalil Shakir, 92 yards on five receptions, and neither of them really made any mistakes. They looked really good. I was excited to see both of those guys in comparison to Jake Kumro, who did not look good. He had a, a bad fumble in the middle of the field, got himself wide open. Case Keenum hit him right in the chest, and then he fumbled upon getting hit. And the other receiver who falls a little bit here then, I think, is Jamison Crowder. Right. Who really just I only saw him out there basically for one play, the ball was high that was thrown to him, but all he does is just kind of tip it up in the air and gets picked off. Not a good look for the guy that's supposed to be like the rock steady backup. Sure. And and I almost wonder if we jinxed him. I don't know if it was last week or the week before we spoke about Jamison Crowder's uh, role on this team, right? Because he's not the most explosive dude, but he's, yeah, as you said, rock steady kind of chain mover sort of slot dude. Uh but this is where I would say, you know, it is one preseason game. Case Keenum certainly didn't have his best game. Maybe that affected uh, the people around him a little more. So I'm going to hold on before I, I start to say that Jameson Crowder is battling for a spot on this team. Um, we'll see how he does in the next couple of weeks of preseason. Yeah, I think um, that probably the, the biggest change in any but his chances of making the team were was Isaiah Hodgins stock went up here because he had sure. a great game and we talked about him being maybe on the roster bubble at the receiver position. So I think he probably helped himself out a little bit. Anybody else yeah. on offense that you noticed that really stood out? Well, uh, let me ask you this, Graham, what are your thoughts on Raheem Blackshear? I was really excited to see him play. Well, um, that's it yeah. to me. He's, he's really just like another one of those training camp running backs who is exciting to watch. And then, you know, like Antonio Williams or uh, 
well, I can't believe I've even forgotten his name by now. The British guy <laughs> who was still oh, on the team uh, for like Christian three years. Wade, was it? Christian Wade. Yeah, he's, uh, he's that. How dare you forget Christian Wade? <laughs> I hope they'll be able to keep him on the practice squad. And if he continues to produce like this, then maybe he's uh, a useful special teams guy who could eventually fill in for a Taiwan Jones down the road. But right now, nothing. There's nothing about that that means anything to me. It was just fun to see an undrafted rookie get two touchdowns in his football debut. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I just wonder because I wasn't as impressed with him. Um, yeah, he, he ran hard when he had to punch in those two touchdowns, basically. But he, I don't know. He was fine. Uh, I think a lot of people seem to be losing their heads after the game about, oh, yeah, he's got a pl- spot on this team. Duke Johnson's out for sure. And I I mean, we spoke about it. I don't think Duke Johnson's going to make this team. But yeah, like I said, I wasn't super impressed by Raheem Blackshear. And I, I thought maybe I was taking crazy pills because it did seem like a lot of people were singing his praises. He did. He was responsible for an interception. Uh, I don't know if you, you caught that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He huh. had a ball go right through his hands. All right. I'll have to look again it was there. Kind of, you, of- you might have missed it because uh at the point where it happened I, uh, a reporter was talking on the sideline and interviewing somebody on the oh, i can't remember who it was but like didn't uh, they were just talking the player was answering her question and they made no mention of the interception that had handled happened on the field so was it during when Dion dawkins was talking about someone's tornado chain that fell uh, on the sideline i, <laughs> I see that remember. It, it could have been yeah yeah that was a good one. yeah preseason's um, great because Literally, touchdowns will be scored while players sure. are being interviewed for nonsense. Like, yeah, yeah. Tell us about living the in the dorms at St. John Fisher. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's talk about the defense a little bit, just to have an opportunity to brush up on that. Your defensive MVP was Christian Bemford, and he had yeah. a great game. Really played quite a bit against, again, the Colts starters. Um, had a pass breakup that I noticed that was a pretty impressive play and looked good in coverage. I think a lot of people probably would have said Christian Benford was one of the most impressive players on defense. Unfortunately, my defensive MVP scored a touchdown, so I feel like we kind of have to give me the points there. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the sweep this week because, as I said, James Cook certainly outperformed Case Keenum at least by default because he didn't have as many blunders and Terrell Bernard's scoop and score pretty cool to watch so he's in a great position makes a great play although I think that the real credit for that play has to go to Boogie Basham for the strip sack my Boogie Basham Boogie Basham my first overall pick from the rookie draft last season that's true you do have Boogie Basham let's just note though Greg Rousseau didn't even play in this game because he's such an established starter for the team. So, well, that's Boogie playing found. his way onto this roster for sure. But yeah, yeah. oh yeah, oh, looking yeah. good I mean, against second backers. round pick. He doesn't have to play his way onto this roster. Um, but the one thing that I, speaking of people who didn't play, the thing I found most interesting about this defense, uh, it, the defensive lineup this game was that Dane Jackson was another player safe, right? Um, I was surprised that they didn't want to see him out there for at least a couple of drives, but apparently they, they think that they've seen enough of Dane Jackson. He was considered to be one of the safe players in this game. So he did not get on 
out onto the field at all. What did you think about that decision? Well, I sort of thought the same thing you're saying here, that maybe this means he is a starting cornerback. But yeah. um, I saw a tweet that was a quote from Leslie Frazier talking about that and really not him pumping the brakes on that idea, but just saying that the reason they sat Dane Jackson is they needed to see what they had in Christian Benford and Kyir Elam as a pair of corners. They, you know, they know what Dane Jackson is. He's been on the team for three years now, and uh, maybe he'll be the starter, maybe not. But I think they wanted to see, well, what does it look like if we throw these two rookies out there against mostly the Colts starting offense? How will they do? And they looked pretty good to me. Uh, Kyir Elam also played very well. He had a couple of lapses in coverage, but for the most part, had a couple great pass breakups, was stride for stride with some receivers down the field and looked pretty good. So I, I think it was an encouraging game for the Bills defense. Yeah, I, I agree. Kyrie Elam, I think a little more up and down than uh, Christian Benford, kind of, you know, uh, showing the same kind of trend that he has during the whole offseason program. Good play here, lapse in judgment there. Uh, the other thing is, he had his breakup against a fellow rookie, right? I think it was Alec Pierce, the the Colts second round rookie receiver. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was a great play, but it also came against a rookie. So sure. Could mean something. Anything else you think is worth pointing out from that game last week? Nope. I I feel good about the win. I love that they're at nine in a row now. Uh, Didn't even realize it before I read about it, but good for them. And yeah, I'm excited for this next week. That's for sure. I've watched a few preseason games because, you know, as we've stated, week one of the preseason is always very exciting and then immediately disappointing. But one thing that I've noticed about the preseason that's always exciting is no matter which teams you're watching, it's just waiting to see who is the backup quarterback for this team and when do you remember them being a starter for some other team in the past? <laughs> yeah. It's just constantly like, oh, he's with them now. Yeah, like yeah. I was watching the Giants. Tyrod Taylor comes out. I'm thinking, oh, that's where Tyrod Taylor went. And you know yeah. who else is with the Giants is uh, Robert Foster, playing receiver for the Giants. He's oh, uh, wow. in their training okay. camp battle. But one of the most interesting of these was in this Bills game, you get to see Case Keatum go up against Nick Folk, which Nick was Foles. Nick, Foles. Nick Foles. I'm sorry. Kicker was Nick Folk, right? Um, Put some Nick respect Foles. on the man's name. Super Bowl MVP, bro. Well, that year, 2017, the NFC Championship game was Case Keenum's Vikings against Nick Foles' Eagles. Good call. So you're looking Good at call. two NFC Championship quarterbacks, now backups for NFL teams just right. five years later. Right. Oh, how to the mighty fair, have though. fallen, huh? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Case Keenum was kind of thrust. Well, they both were actually, right? To be, yeah, they were both thrust story into for that both role of them. due to injuries. So, yeah, a little bit of a Cinderella season for both of them. Yeah, um, Nick Foles. Oh man, he looked brutal. I really like the Colts. Uh, who I think the Colts' actual backup is going to be Sam Ellinger. Uh, he's 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 got he plays with some moxie. You know what I mean? He's a nice, fun little guy to watch run around and stuff like that. He played for your. Texas Longhorns. That's right. He did. He he was like honestly unstoppable uh, against the Bills' third stringers. Had Dude, an insane I, second half. I remember for some reason, I remember him being like, I don't know, looking like Captain America with the Texas Longhorns. He was like a big bull of a quarterback that was running for tons of touchdowns and stuff like that. He gets to the NFL. He looks small, doesn't he? 
Yeah. Is it just me I, or did he look I think like a that little happens guy? with a lot of guys? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't yeah. stand out to me as particularly big. He Maybe was 10 for 11. They can't uh, play I guess defense only, in the Big 12. Only 88 yards passing, which surprises me because he was throwing the ball all over the place. But his he threw for two touchdowns. His passer rating was 139.6 in this game. Yeah. So yeah. he had an outstanding game for the Colts. Yeah. All right. So um, after this game, Joe Buscaglia released an article, uh, the aforementioned Joe Buscaglia of the, the Athletic. He released an article of his Bills, Risers, and Fallers. Did you happen to see this article, Graham? I did. I enjoyed this article. I like kind of comparing my thoughts to people who are actually there. Obviously, right. you know, the two of us, we're not on the sidelines. We're not in the press conferences. We're not at the preseason games. So it's cool to see some of the things that we think line up with, uh, you know, the pros. Sure. Yeah, man. Um, and, and there's a little bit of, I don't know, sometimes you read this and, and you're fighting your own confirmation bias and stuff like that. But um, I think this was one of the ones, this was one of the things I was reading where Joe was really high on Raheem Blackshear. And I was just kind of like, huh, eh, all right. Yeah, um, I, I don't get the, the preseason hype for running backs who are the fifth stringer and perform well in the fourth quarter. <laughs> it's exciting, but I don't think it's very meaningful. Sure, sure. Um, so Joe, for his risers, he's got Zach Moss, David Questenberry, Boogie Basham, Balin Specter, Quinton Morris, fa- a favorite of yours, and Raheem Blackshear. And yeah. this list of risers is, of course, not just um, from the preseason game. Uh, David Questenberry didn't play a single snap in this game, but rather uh, sort of yeah, accumulation of the offseason program, training camp, and this first game and what the lineup might have meant for their status with the Bills. So what do you think of uh, Joe's risers? Well, I think it's a good point to make about Zach Moss. We didn't talk about him, but he, d- he didn't play a lot in this preseason game, but ripped off a 27-yard run that was very impressive early on in the game and uh you know he just played a couple snaps and then the bills said all right it looks like zach moss looks good he is what we thought he was through training camp um and let's move on to seeing what the other guys have so he only played nine snaps in this game but looked really good and i think that's meaningful and then the david questenberry point he didn't play in this preseason game either and i think not because he's slotted to be the starter but because they don't really know what they're doing at right tackle right now. Um, Spencer Brown didn't practice today, actually. He was held out of practice, wasn't seen warming up on the sidelines either. So Oof. it's possible maybe that the back thing or something else is lingering. I think they just need to know that they've got the starting offensive line and a capable backup safe, and that's what he is right now. So uh, it means a lot that he's out but not because he's going to be the starter necessarily, just because they need an insurance policy against an injury or against Spencer Brown not being ready to go. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, besides those two guys that you just mentioned, I love seeing Quentin Morris on here. I think you talked him up a lot last off season, especially you met him, right? You had a personal uh, meet up with him. That's true. I got to meet Quentin Morris at a, at a UB football game because he's a Bowling Green graduate and uh, he was at the game 
UB was playing Bowling Green. He's a converted wide receiver now playing tight end and just trying to, you know, make his mark in the NFL and looked pretty good on that. He had like a 29 yard catch over his shoulder down the field, you know, in coverage. He's got some talent. I don't think that he's in a position where he's going to beat out Dawson Knox or or OJ Howard, who also is not really playing very well, but his Mark needs to be made by beating Tommy Sweeney if he can do that. And he showed sure. well in this preseason game. So if he can keep it up through the preseason, he's got a chance. Yep. All right. Uh, and the fallers as listed by Joe Buscaglia. Oh, before you he get got- onto the fallers, Balen Spector, yeah. you mentioned, he played great. He was he all did. over the place. Um, seventh round draft pick for the Bills out of Clemson. And not a guy that either of us picked to necessarily make the team. Well, Maybe one of us did pick him for the roster, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's possible. But he is on a lot of people's early training camp cuts, and he has fought his way into this mix. So, you know, we talked about Tyrell Dotson. Also didn't play in this game, maybe more because of injury than because of a guaranteed starting position. Um, but you got Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dodson, Balen Spector now in that mix fighting for a spot. They did cut Markel Lee. Um, and then you got Joe Giles Harris still in the mix, and I don't know who else. Oh, Andre Smith looked great, but he's going to be suspended for six games. So sure, he's <laughs> maybe the that's other. why he looked great. <clears throat> yeah. um, <laughs> I, I agree with Balen Specter. I think for me, it's important that the Bills find a dude who you know might not necessarily contribute a whole lot to the defense, but rather is a special teams ace. Right? They've got that already in a couple players like. Uh, Siren Neal and uh, Tyler Medikevich, but Tyler Medikevich is making a whole lot of money for a dude who only gets in on special teams. And uh, I think it's important to give these younger guys a chance to develop on special teams and then maybe further on down the road, get some snaps on defense, right? Tyler's not getting those snaps on defense. So maybe Balin can eventually. Uh, I really like the formula that the Los Angeles Rams have, um, and that is drafting these mid to late round defenders, not really expecting a whole lot out of them early on in their careers, but giving them a ton of time on special teams and giving them time to get acclimated to the game. And then like their, their third, fourth year, they're big time contributors already uh, on both special teams and defense at that point. So if the Bills can follow that model, keep Balen Specter around because he looked good. But yeah. it is one game. Yep, he looked especially good in in rushing. Um, his pass rush and his tackling looked good. His coverage, I think there was a lapse where he gave up some um, some gaps in the coverage that were maybe his fault, but in general played a pretty good game, played really hard. He's all over the place, so I'd love to see more of him. Um, how about the Fallers then? You want to get into some of those guys? Yeah, so the Fallers, the fallers were uh, Jamison Crowder, who we spoke about earlier, especially with that kind of bad drop. Um, OJ Howard listed once again. I think I've seen him several times on these lists of dudes who have not looked so good this offseason. Matt Hack listed as a faller, but uh, Joe qualified this by saying, yeah, it's not really anything he did, but rather how good Matt Horizon looked. Shaq Lawson also listed as a faller. Greg Van Roten interior offensive lineman, and um, Tavon Austin. 
blacklisted as a faller. Yeah, Tavon Austin just completely. I just keep forgetting that he is, you yeah, know, even he's, on this. I mean, even when they signed right him, now. they signed him so late in the offseason anyway. I, I kind of just categorized him in my head as a camp body, right? Like big name, no game at this point. I think a lot of people thought that he could make a push to be a slot guy or a return man, but I think that's. You know, that's pretty much over at this point, unless he proves coming out of his injury issues that he can be absolutely the number one option on punt and kick return. He's probably off this roster um, sooner rather than later. And another guy that I wanted to point out there is OJ Howard, who I guaranteed would make this team. And then for a while, I was starting to think that maybe he'll get cut like Jacob Hollister last year was. But in reading this article and, and looking at his contract, it's guaranteed. Oh, yeah. His money is guaranteed. So the Bills don't did not save any money that. by doing yeah. this. And he's a valuable blocker. So it's <laughs> not necessarily yeah. that he's going to be a weapon in the passing game. You've got Dawson Knox to do that. And hopefully um, you can turn potentially Sweeney or Quentin Morris into possibly being a passing option at times. But you do need capable blockers on this team. And if OJ Howard proves that he can beef up your offensive line and be valuable in certain situations then it's worth having a guy like that around the bills kept lee smith on this team for years because he could block like a maniac so if you're guaranteed money to this guy even if the upside in the passing game is limited the bills have enough weapons in the passing game they don't need him to come through as a red zone threat if he can contribute in blocking situations then that may be enough to get him on this team yeah fair enough um i uh... Being a great blocker as a tight end, I feel like is a little bit antiquated at this point, it seems to me. Um, I'd much rather them bring on Tommy Doyle as a sixth offensive lineman than keep O.J. Howard on this roster just to come in to chip in on blocking every once in a while because he's no threat as a receiver. And so it's basically a tell if you're bringing on O.J. Howard or Tommy Doyle that it's going to be a run play anyway. So for me... Yeah, it, it is a lot of money to basically eat if you if he does not make this roster, but I don't see the value for, for him being a great blocker. Well, so the question is, do you think that Tommy Sweeney and Quentin Morris are just this invaluable addition that you just have to have be a part of your offense? And if the answer is not no, necessarily, I don't think... but I don't think OJ Howard represents much of an upgrade on either of those two anyway. Uh, I, re- I was reading somewhere that Tommy Sweeney is beloved in the locker room uh, and he's a hard worker and everything and say what you will about his actual abilities on Sunday. But, you know, who's OJ Howard at this point, right? So like, to me, I would rather keep a little bit of continuity in that room if it's not going to, if keeping OJ Howard isn't going to represent much of an upgrade at the position. And then just, you know, keep working on on bringing guys in the next offseason. I still think we're going to end up with three tight ends on this team. I think O.J. Howard, Tommy Sweeney, and Dawson Knox are the three. So, you know, it may be a moot point. But if if Quentin Morris shows that he's a weapon, then maybe you're you're in trouble here if you're O.J. Howard. But I think the veteran presence and um, the ability to be a reliable blocker does matter. So... I think you're probably going to see him on this team, even though he is falling a little bit. Sure. Um, 
last thing with this fallers list uh, another guy beloved in the locker room apparently Shaq Lawson I was a little bit surprised she to see him on this side of the list I thought he would be uh, safe from criticism but I guess with Basham and Epinesa showing out every other practice and Basham having an especially good preseason game that did not paint Shaq Lawson in the best of lights who was not as impactful yeah, I think when you see that he's playing in the preseason games with the you know third string guys at times, that's obviously an indication that he's not safe. But all along, we've sort of thought that the defensive line for the Bills is really set. There's not a lot of change that's going to be made there. Sure. Someone's got to be that fifth guy on the defensive end room, and I just think it's him. I think all all jo- Joe Biscali is saying here is that Boogie Basham showed that he's the number four guy. And A.J. Epineza mm-hmm. really didn't play that much, which shows that you, the Bills think he's their number three guy. So you see Epineza played 11 snaps, Basham played 17, and then Shaq Lawson was playing later in the game. I think it's just an indication that the Bills see him as the last guy on the list and maybe a game day inactive as we get into the season. Right, yeah. I think it seems like he's going to have a role similar to Epineza. If he makes his team, he's going to have a role sim- similar to Epineza's last year where he's yeah active for every other game or something like that right um yeah anything else to mention graham before we move on no again i was i was a little bit uh confused as to why they still have two punters on this roster i think that is meaningful um but i would expect one of the two of them to be gone after next week because looking at the nfl cut down guidelines they had to get under 20 or under 85 by tuesday by next Tuesday, they got to get under 80. So they'll have to make four to five more cuts, depending on how many players they have. I think they only have 84 guys on the roster right now. But if they add one, they'll have to drop five. And then by the following Tuesday, they've got to get down to 53 players. So that's going to be a big one where they've got to cut a lot of guys to get under that number. And I wouldn't expect to see both the punters on the roster that whole time there. You just want to get to a point where if you're going to go with Matariza, you want him to be 100% of the time working with Tyler Bass, getting all the reps. I don't see any reason to drag that out to the final cuts, but something to keep an eye on. Certainly. Um, in terms of cuts, the Bills, as you mentioned, had to make some cuts this past week. Uh, do you have a list, Graham, of those five players that they said goodbye to? They cut six guys, actually, which is why I was a little surprised. Ah, right. They, they got went down, down to 84. 84. Right. They went a little too far so um they cut <laughs> Jalen Weidermeyer <laughs> they got cut Jalen Weidermeyer who was the the fifth tight end on the roster here who I have on my rookie fantasy team so not looking so yeah. good that he didn't even make it through the first cuts maybe another team will think they've got something in him but uh he may end up getting me no points this season they cut Elijah Griffin who's a cornerback who's been in camp for the last two years and he was immediately picked up by Brian Dable and the Giants Right, so yeah. he's they're now like a Buffalo giant. South now. Those Giants, yeah, they, they got a bunch of. Didn't they have? Uh, speaking of preseason running backs, didn't they also get Antonio Williams down there? Yes, and they've got yeah. at least one or two pieces of the Bills' offensive line. I think John Feliciano might be over there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying yeah. to think who else. Anyway, and like yeah, we said, Buffalo they've South. got they've got Tyrod Taylor and uh, Robert Foster, so. I should look through that Giants roster and see how much of it is ex-Bills. Um, other guys, Stetter, Jordan Simmons, 
Tim Harris and Markel Lee, the other four cuts. So Bill's down to 84, and they got to get down to 80 by next Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I saw an initial reaction. I think it was on Pro Football Talk, like one of the initial comments on the story about these cuts was like classy move by the bills given these guys cutting these guys early and giving them a uh, chance to stick with another team and like i don't know if that person realized that they had to do this but yeah <laughs> well they the on first behalf of the bills guys, i thank you for thinking the best of them i think that matters with the first four guys they cut them one or two days early so yeah that is maybe considerate because then other teams who yeah, are about to be. cut down to 84 can look and say, well, if we cut an extra guy, we can grab that guy that the bills just cut, you know, which is what the giants did. Yeah. So maybe, but the last two, the last two cuts with uh, Markel Lee and I think Tim Harris maybe were the last two. Yep. They just got That's cut right. right at the deadline. So I don't know what it says about those two, but the first four, they did do <laughs> they them the service them. of cutting them free a couple days early. Sure. Yep. Well, best of luck to those dudes. Hopefully the dream stays alive somewhere else, but it won't be in Buffalo. Um, anything else, Graham, about these cuts? I don't think we should dwell on it too much. Let's get on to next week's preseason game against yeah. the Broncos. Yeah. This is going to be a fun one. Not for me. Graham, why not? Because the Bills are going to play their starters. I'm terrified. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say uh, earlier when you were talking about snap counts and, and um, yeah, how much playing time everybody was given in this first preseason game. What did they announce it today, yesterday, that Josh was going to get a significant amount of time? Yeah, in this I think game? he said a healthy amount of playing time for the starters Oof. or for, for most starters. Oof. I don't think it's all starters, but um, he, they did confirm that Josh will play. So. I don't like that. I hope that means no. one series and then he's out of there. I I really don't like the idea of him being on the field with anyone who's trying to make a roster and make a name for themselves, you know, so get him out of there. I think he should play zero minutes. But I think <laughs> that the idea here is to give Dorsey an opportunity to put some calls in with the starting offense, run some plays like it's going to be in a game setting. I just wish they didn't feel like they needed to do that. I wish they could simulate that in a practice situation and be comfortable with it there, but obviously they can't. So they're just going to risk everything in a stupid preseason game against a conference rival. Yeah, but I mean, dude, it's football. Like this is nothing new. I mean, even, even, uh, didn't Patrick Mahomes? No. Well, Matt Ryan, for instance, he, he played last week. He got a healthy amount of snaps last week, and that dude's ancient. So Yeah, but he's on a brand-new team that's trying to put together a brand-new system and new starting sure, offense. Sure. But it's kind of like what we spoke about last week where these dudes, I mean, you and I don't know what it's like to, to play at the NFL level, of course, Not but yet. these dudes are the ultimate competitors, and they just want to be out there, I think. And it's it's definitely a case of getting back into the groove of things because it changes so much right from off-season drills to live game action and the last thing you want with this uh this bill squad that 
has very high expectations is to start the season slowly because maybe your guys aren't as tuned in as they ought to be. Well, to that point, last year the starters played half of the final preseason game and came out of the gate horribly against the Steelers. So you've got a year of evidence that says playing a preseason game does not guarantee that you're going to be ready to go week one. I think that this is strictly about making sure that the offense knows what they're doing in an actual game situation with a new play caller, but I still hate it. And I hope that Josh plays one series and then they go, okay, that went well, we're done. Um, I think you'll probably see the starting offensive line out there, which will include David Questenberry, because I think they're going to want to protect him with the most quality offensive line they can provide him with while he's out there. But I don't think that it means you're going to see every starter. Like I would bet Stefan Diggs doesn't play. Um, He has not played in a preseason game as a bill. And I think that'll probably continue. Um, I think maybe Gabe Davis won't play. I think it might be an opportunity Mm -hmm. for Khalil Shakir. Who did you notice Khalil Shakir's little baby legs? Our boots on the ground. were right about that. He's got tiny little (laughs) legs. Tiny or short. What's the difference? difference? (laughs) Well, I mean, tiny is like both in in length and diameter, I would say. Okay, no, the diameter looked fine. It's the length. He's got like little, like it almost looked like pigeon-toed little teeny baby legs. But I like the way he uh, runs around and gets open out there. Rick and Morty uh, (laughs) interdimensional cable, baby legs. Baby legs, the detective or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's what, anyway, I just thought Uh, of that. I think think you'll see a lot of Khalil Shakir. I think you'll see a lot of Isaiah Hodgins and probably Kumaro wants an opportunity. Um, Maybe Isaiah McKenzie will play, but I think they're going to try to protect a lot of their assets. I think it's just that Ken Dorsey wants an opportunity to call the offense for a little bit with Josh at the helm. So I hate it, but it's going to happen. I agree. I, I agree with um, Stefan Diggs probably sitting this one out, but I would be pretty surprised if Gabe Dave also sat out because, you know, if you if you are going to play your quarterback for the sake of just seeing how every, the offense works and everything, you want him to be out there with some of the dudes that he's going to be thrown to every Sunday. And Gabe Davis is a dude who had a great finish to last season, but he still needs to um, – make good on all of that potential and all that promise. And so to me, he's not like safe, safe. We know exactly what we have in him. Let's sit him out and everything. I'd like to see him in the preseason just to, you know, continue the chemistry between he and Josh leading into the season. I don't like it. Don't like it. Um, What else are you looking for in this game? Any players who you think need that second opportunity to really, prove that they can be consistent obviously on defense you'd like to see the same that you saw out of Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford um sure well um I'd really like to see this offensive line give Josh a whole lot of time and the best protection in the world right the last thing we need is Josh having to, to scramble out and you know uh, any any terrible things happen related to that. Um, but I don't want to give you my number one yet because we still have to pick our offensive and defensive MVPs for this match. All right. Well, as there's not a lot to get into with an upcoming preseason game, why don't we start there? I'll give you the first pick. Who's your first MVP of this game going to be? My offensive MVP, because I'm going to go offense first, is Jamison Crowder. Oh, I think that he's going to bounce back in a big way against this Denver Broncos second team, third team defense. 
and he's going to put that drop behind him, make people forget all about it. And as much as I love seeing Isaiah and Khalil uh, show out in the first preseason game, I think that this week it's going to be the crafty veteran Jameson Crowder. Very nice. I am going to stick with the offense with my first MVP, and I'm going to go with the hot hand in uh, Khalil Shakir. I think he's found a lot of chemistry with Case Keenum, and they're going to have an opportunity to play. I think that Khalil Shakir is going to have an opportunity to play some with Josh Allen in this game. So two receivers we'll go with here. I would love it if Crowder looked a little bit better, but I still think Shakir is going to get a lot of time. I was just about to say I'd love if Khalil – uh, also looked good, right? There's enough balls to go around, but uh, I just have a feeling, man. Jamison Crowder coming back after that poor show. All right, so defense, your first pick, Graham. Let me go. I'll stay with the linebackers here, and uh, I will go with Balen Specter in this game because he looked really good in the first preseason game. All eyes are on him to continue to make an impression. And I think a lot of these guys that are roster bubble guys who had a good boost in that first preseason game are going to really want the opportunity to prove that they can do that two games in a row. Um, So, you know, guys like Terrell Bernard, third round pick, had a good game. He may not play that much, but Balen Spector is going to be on the field quite a bit and looked pretty good in preseason game one. He's a draft pick, so I think he's got all the makings of having an impressive game two against the Broncos second and third stringers. All right, good pick. Um, last week I went rookie cornerback and it went pretty well for me. Although, you know, I don't want to say you got lucky with the Terrell Bernard scoop and score, but um, it certainly won you the the battle there. Yeah. I'm going to go this week with another rookie cornerback and I'm going to go with Kyrie Elam. I think that he is going to have some good matchups on his hands because even without Tim Patrick uh, for the Denver Broncos, they have a very deep receiver room. And I just have a good feeling that Kyrie Elam is going to make a splash play this week and show out very well. So he is my defensive pick for MVP. Another guy that I thought to pick here before we move away from this was Jaquan Johnson, who had a sweet pick last week too. I Mm, I thought about going that direction because he's getting the opportunity. He looks so cool with the number four. That I, like I wasn't a huge fan when that rule got announced, but I don't know. Sometimes defensive backs wearing the single digit number it just looks so smooth. Yeah, I don't like OJ Howard in eight. No, 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 no. Can't can't do it for a tight end so unless these... you're like number one and you're just this freak athlete. OJ Howard being eight, that's weird. Yeah, man, we sound like OJ Howard haters. We kind of are. We haven't really said yeah, anything good about him. <laughs> no one has said cool anything na- good about oh. him. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Want to do a score Go prediction for this meaningless preseason game too? Uh, um, yes. I'm going to say 28 to 23. Weird. Buffalo. 23. Yeah. And we get the W here? Keep the preseason oh, winning yeah. streak oh, alive? Yeah. Yep. Ten games in a row, baby. I say we keep the streak alive, too. I think that the starting offense will score. I don't think they'll pull the starting offense off until they do. So um, I think the Bills are going to get a couple touchdowns in here. Probably want to kick a field goal. So I'm going to give 24 to the Bills. And I'll say that the Broncos score 21. Mm. 
Okay. Win for Buffalo. Okay. 24-21. I'm writing this down. Yep. We got to start keeping track of these because uh, we let these bets get out of hand. And then we got to go back and retroactively pick all this stuff. So while we're still on the subject of the Denver Broncos, why don't we shift this discussion over to the AFC West, the only AFC division that we haven't really talked about. And I think the most... The only one? Yeah, we've oh, yeah. we've done the we did the South last week. We did the North two weeks ago. We've already talked a little bit about the AFC East. We did record predictions for the Bills, but we'll have a playoff prediction discussion in the next week or so as well. Sure. So in the AFC West last season, you've got the Chiefs, obviously the favorite year after year, a team that's won a Super Bowl, always picked to go far into the postseason. They're still a dominant force, but they don't have Tyreek Hill. So do you still have the Chiefs finishing first in the AFC West, even without their superstar cheetah receiver? Dude, I go back and forth on this all the time. Um, Even without Tyreek Hill, they still have Patrick Mahomes. They still have Travis Kelsey. Andy Reid is still there calling the plays, being the big man. I don't love their defense, but they've tried their darnest to improve. Uh, especially in the draft with a lot of high draft picks at key positions. But I don't think so. I think that this division is so tight now and all it takes is like, yeah, one or two bad games, which the chiefs showed that they were susceptible uh, to last season, especially early on when people were even wondering if they were going to be a playoff team. Right. Um, I don't believe they are going to be the division winners this year. What do you think? I also don't think they're going to win the division. I just think in the NFL, there's already a lot of turnover typically from one year to the next as far as who wins each division. And this division is just going to be teams eating each other up. And I just don't see Kansas City as having that big of an edge over the other teams in the division. I actually think the Chargers are going to come away being the leaders in this division. They've got a lot of weapons on offense. Brandon Staley showing that he can really um, transform a team with the pick of um, Herbert, Justin Herbert, one of the young up-and-coming quarterbacks in the league who everybody thinks is maybe like a top-five quarterback already. I just think that it's a scary team, and they've revamped their defense. They've got a lot of weapons who've come into this roster, and the AFC West in general has had this, where all these teams have just been added to. Not a lot of subtraction. The one team that's had a lot of subtraction – has been the Kansas City Chiefs losing that MVP caliber receiver. So I see Kansas City falling and the Chargers taking that top spot. See, and this is what makes the division so interesting because I still, although I don't see the Chiefs as being the division winners, I still view them as a playoff team. And I don't think that the Chargers are my pick for the division winners. And I think that they're a really good team on paper as well. Um, For me, The thing with the Chargers is like, yeah, Justin Herbert's an absolute stud, but Brandon Staley is supposed to be a defensive mastermind, and his defense looked god-awful last season. And you're right, they definitely bolstered their defensive unit this offseason, bringing in Khalil Mack and and J.C. Jackson, among others. But um, I don't necessarily think that personnel – I mean – the chargers weren't so on my radar last season, but I don't think that personnel was such a big issue last season that that was the main reason 
why their defense was so mediocre. Um, as I said, though, I do think that they are going to be a playoff team. They're just not my pick for the division winners. My pick is actually the Denver Broncos. I'm so glad you didn't say the Raiders. I was going to go crazy if you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. All right. They're going to be good too, though. Yeah. The Raiders are going to be good I agree. Too, but I think, like but... I said, all these teams are bringing people in. You mentioned Khalil Mack yeah. and J.C. Jackson being added to – Nick Bosa and Derwin James on this Chargers defense. Joey, Joey, or, or yeah. Joey Bosa. Sorry, Nick with the 49ers. yeah. And Derwin James, shout out, got like the biggest uh, safety contract in NFL history this week. Yeah. So good for him. It's just a loaded um, yeah, team. I mean, and then the Broncos, they are loaded. Are doing the same. That's thing. what I mean, though. I think they were pretty loaded last season too, uh, and their defense was an absolute mess. And yeah, man, I know one more year in the system and everything, that's great, but this is going to be just like a score. Fit. This is going to be, I feel this division is going to be like the Big 12 of the NFL. It's just going to be all offense to me. Um, and the Broncos, uh, for my money, are the most improved team in this division beyond a doubt because they added – a Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer at the most important position in the sport in Russell Wilson this offseason. And I think that's going to just change the entire fortunes of this franchise. Uh, they got a really good team, a really good offense around him with, as I said, a deep receiver room, two great running backs, including a very, very uh, interesting runner in Javante Williams. Their offensive line is pretty solid, and their defense is good, man. So for me, they're the division winners. I agree that they've improved most. Um, Russell Wilson, obviously, extremely highly decorated quarterback in the league, been around a long time. But I think he's the third best quarterback in this division. And mm. when you look at their receiver group, they already had uh, Tim Patrick go down for the year. They've got Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. That's that's their offense. And then you look at the Chargers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, um, Austin Eckler, I think a more dynamic running back than either of the two running backs that the Broncos have. I know that everybody's high on Javante Williams, but they're, they're kind of a split back situation there. I just think they've got more, more firepower on offense. And yeah, Russell Wilson's great, but I don't think he is as good as Justin Herbert at this point in their careers. Um, I think people are sleeping a bit on Russell Wilson. Obviously he had, uh, injury-filled season this last season. Dude, do you remember he like spent 19 hours a day uh, rehabbing his finger that got absolutely mauled in some game? He had like mallet finger. I remember his finger was talking being busted. About, yeah, man, it was gross. And he like talked about rehabbing it 19 hours a day and then came back and had like the worst weeks of his career. So... I think people are sleeping on him because of that. They don't really think about the reason why he didn't look like himself was because he wasn't himself. Um, his finger was literally mangled. And you raise a good point. Austin Eckler is a really dangerous weapon for the Chargers offense, but he's missed a lot of games. Uh, he's missed a lot of games. Mike Williams has a tendency to be extremely hit or miss and also injury prone. So like, yeah, uh, like any other team, it just takes one little thing to go wrong for the Chargers. And for the Chargers, unfortunately, 
it usually does. Yeah, they seem like quite the snake bitten franchise. So I'm putting my money on Russell Wilson looking more like himself and raising this Broncos team that was not terrible last season to new heights. And you've got the Chiefs number two, Chargers third. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tight, tight race for the top no matter what. And then like barely any margin between one and three for that reason. So yeah, I've got Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, and then Raiders. Interesting. And so then the only thing I guess we agree on is that the Raiders are the worst team in this division, although a lot of people think that they could still be en route to a playoff berth. Yeah, yeah. That would be insane if all four of these teams went to the playoffs, but mathematically, I just don't see it happening. It seems unlikely, but one of the things that we talked about is the way that the schedule is constructed. It's formulaic in that you know all of the teams that the players and teams in this division are going to be playing against because it's just on a rotation. And the AFC West gets to play the AFC South. So all four of these teams get to play the Colts, the Titans, the Jaguars, and the Texans. And I think at worst, you might see one of these four teams go two and two. I think all of these teams are getting two wins. Most are probably going to sweep the AFC South. And maybe the team that misses the playoffs is going to go two and two or three and one. But it's a good opportunity for a lot of wins against common opponents. And I think this division is just going to clean up. Yeah, good point. Good point. But show some respect to the Colts, bro. Who gave the Bills the game of their lives this past weekend. And then missed the well, and last regular season is what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> really? Oh God! Yeah, let's beat not down, talk about But that. then they missed the playoffs. You know, so that's not a team that's proven themselves. They got a new offense, a new quarterback. Is a lot of new. So I, I think the AFC West is going to do very well. They could very well have four playoff teams, but it's going to depend on how disastrous the other divisions are in terms of the separation between the top and bottom. I think if you see a close race for second in the AFC East or in the AFC North, then probably talking four teams from the AFC West is out. Because in order for this to happen, all three of the wildcard spots would have to go to all three teams that don't win the AFC West. So that would mean no Baltimore, no Miami, no New England, no Tennessee. And, and right. it is unlikely, but possible. And this is absolutely the division to watch. So um, we've got our picks in. It's fun. We're, we do not agree on any division and how it's going to shake out. But uh, yeah. I think the next thing for us to do is to talk about what the playoff picture is going to look like based on these predictions. And we can maybe do that next week. Yeah, I'd also like to take maybe a deeper look into the AFC East, because a lot has gone on since we sort of gave our very brief overview of the East and how we think things are going to shake out, you know? So lots of news from the AFC East, lots to talk about. I think that's a good place to go next week on the way to our overall picture of the playoffs. Right. Um, Hard Knocks, do you watch it? Did you see that second episode Not yet? Not yet. Uh, not no, as good not as week yet. one, it's, it's I have to say. Pocket. But Yeah, that's what I've heard. But um, I'm still in. I'm definitely going to watch next few episodes. I'm sort of pulling for the Lions by now, but not quite as compelling of an episode as the first one was. And I haven't seen it yet, but did you see that on Netflix there's now a documentary about the Manti Teo disaster of oh, his draft yeah. year? Did you watch it? Yeah. I didn't. I'm afraid I'm going to watch it. I, I, I remember it all like it was yesterday. 
I remember that season, that magical run that Notre Dame had, um, and Manti Teo leading the charge, ending up in New York City at the Heisman Trophy ceremony as one of the finalists for the award. And then I remember how it all came crashing down with, uh, I think it was, I think it was Trent Richardson running roughshod over them in the national championship game. That part I've blocked out for sure. That whole entire national championship that game. That was not even a game. I've blocked out. It was a disaster. Yeah. But I, I've heard a lot about it, a lot of great things about the documentary you're talking about, and really makes you sad for Manti Teo. He's just like, I mean, he went from being the biggest face in college football his final season to kind of like a running joke for most of his pro career. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have always felt bad for him more than any other emotion. I don't know what other people are thinking, but it I I guess it makes him look stupid. Maybe like it doesn't make me hate him though. Like naive for sure. Naive. Yeah. So, you know, I feel bad for him. Yeah. He was duped and uh you know, a very public way. So I'm going to watch this. Maybe uh, we can compare our thoughts on it if, if, after we've both seen it. But another thing that maybe be worth checking out if you're familiar with the Manti Teo draft disaster. So, Yeah. Hey, speaking of football uh, TV shows, you're not a huge fan of Last Chance You, right? I loved the first two seasons, and, and I just really haven't followed up after that. Okay. I'm trying to see when the hell that's going to come back out. Because I watched like every episode of that show and I could not get enough of it. And the last one they went to was like some some school in California. Uh, and you didn't really get the impression that the stakes were as high there as they were in earlier seasons where these dudes were like actually going to get a chance at playing in the NFL eventually or even at some like big, big name college football programs. Uh, but that's a great show, too. If you have not seen Last Chance You, check it out. Yeah, it's a great show. The first two seasons in at Eastern Mississippi Community College. Is that what it was? Uh, yeah, like and then they moved around from school to school. There was also an episode this past weekend. Uh, it's a comedy about the Hamburg Sea Devils playing the Leipzig Kings in the European League of oh, Football. Uh, you should watch it. It's hilarious that Sea Devils just dismantle the Kings. I think that everybody quit at halftime by the look of the box score. So uh, were you following this game as it was unfolding over in Europe? Yeah, I was actually. I caught the uh, halftime score. <laughs> 42 to 0. Final score 59 to 0. <laughs> Not looking good for your Kings. Yeah. Not looking good. No, I, I could imagine that they're going to clean house. As I said, I do have an inside source with the Leipzig Kings. Um, and he says, all is not well in the kingdom. That's not surprising. I think you're going to need more information than that for us to Hot believe. Take, yeah. For us to believe that New you slash. know somebody. <laughs> I could have told you that. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, we got a big preseason game coming up this weekend. Uh, it's a one o'clock game in Buffalo. So another home game for Bill's preseason ticket holders. Had a lot of fans at that last game. I have to imagine people are going to be excited to go out to this one as well because you're going to get to see Josh for at least a drive or two. So hold your breath oh, yeah. and uh, hope nothing bad happens. Frick 
Yeah. I can't wait, man. I love preseason. Like I'm back in. Remember, I think we were talking, I was a little, uh, you know, kind of uh, up and down about the whole thing, but preseason football, man, it reminds me why I DVR'd a Colts preseason game way back in 2007 and actually like rewatched the entire game the next morning. That's insane. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. rewatch a Bills preseason game now after it happened. It's t- well, to be fair, and I might have told this story on the program before. To be fair, I um, had watched most of the game, like 90% of the game, and the Colts were losing the entire time, like pretty badly. And then the next morning in the Democrat Chronicle, they posted the wrong score and the wrong outcome. So I was like, oh, damn, Colts came back and won that must have been in the last two minutes of the game or whatever. So I don't know why I didn't just skip ahead to the end and find out what happened then. But I wanted to build up, I guess, (laughs) the anticipation. So I went through, watched the entire game. Nothing changed from what I thought was going to happen. And it ended up just being a uh, yeah. uh, mistake i actually in the paper did exactly week. that to um, my <laughs> father-in-law this weekend he didn't he's a jets fan and he was like oh how'd the jets do and i was like oh they lost and uh and i said and zach wilson got hurt he was like oh man well they're doing a replay right now on espn so you know must not be worth a watch well he watched it to the very end thinking that the jets somehow blow their like seven point lead in the final six <laughs> seconds of the game he's like how do they lose uh, this game and he watched it all the way to the end only to come down and be like why did you tell me they lost i just wasn't even thinking you sandbagging <laughs> son of a I gun i wasn't even th- i just was like well they they lost in the sense that their starting quarterback tore his meniscus <laughs> but maybe on the scoreboard they lost in a figurative sense <laughs> yeah. so that's what i yeah. don't want to happen to the bills and uh yeah as long as we get through this weekend, I think it's likely we probably won't see any starters in the final preseason game. So we get through Saturday, and then we're in the clear until the home or the first game of the season. Yeah, baby. All right. Let's go, Bills. So enjoy the game, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your listenership, and we will talk to you guys next week. Sounds good. See ya.